All right, we can go ahead and get started. My question to start us off um, is, who is the most godly person you know? So just think about that. Who is the most godly person you know? Um, And we'll just go around and say their names. Starting with, I guess Elise, because you said yours. Oh, wait, maybe Macy. Nana. Nana. Kathleen Dalton. She's a very godly woman. Elise. Yeah. Nana. No, yeah. I'm answers. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Pots? Okay. Yeah. Get me and come back. Okay. You're thinking. I'm thinking. Um, my mom. Your mom. Georgia? Yeah. You're the most godly person you know? I said, I don't know, skip me. Oh, I thought you said, it's me. I was like, <laughs> no, I was like, I don't think you would say, it. I mean, that you are very godly, but I'm feeling it. <laughs> anyway, okay, everyone that's being skipped, we're coming back to you. Um, grandma, grandma. Yeah. Elise and Emily. Yeah, Aww. very godly. Aw. <laughs> um, I would say, <laughs> yeah, I would say Nana. Kayla. I feel like I don't really have any adults in my life that are like good godly examples. Mm-hmm. Like just, I feel like my family hasn't really been like super Christian or anything. Yeah. I know. I also say probably you are like the most godly person I know. Thank so. you. No, no, no. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Delaney. Um, probably my mentors, Clay and Bailey. Yeah, I've heard really good things about. Yeah. She's like the only person. The most godly that's just like the name that happens. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's true. Yeah. Yeah. She's pretty great. You have to be very godly if you're going to adopt and have a ton of children and keep your cool all the time. Yeah. Isn't that so cool that most of the people that we mentioned are older? So, like, we said like older moms older people or i mean some of us said our peers which is like really awesome to know that like we all are growing in the faith but like how cool and encouraging is that is that as we get older like if we're walking with the lord we're totally like he's gonna renew us make us new um make us more godly and it's gonna show and so i'm so encouraged by that um and i hope that i'm just like those people that everyone said one day um, so yeah, the high priests of this time were considered the most godly people of like the of the town that they were in. Um, so today we're going to be talking all about the high priests. They were set apart. They were mediators between God and the people. They would go into the Holy of Holies and make sacrifices on behalf of the people. Um, so they were like... They were, like, top-notch, right? Uh, yet the high priest was still imperfect because no human being is perfect, right? So, like, the high priest, as godly as they are, they're still imperfect. And all the people that we mentioned as... Oh, hello. She's coming for the phone again. <laughs> um, all the people that we mentioned as godly as they are, as, go- as, as much as we look up to them, um, they're still imperfect and still struggle with sin. Hi. You want to come help me teach? She can hang out over here. I can walk her back over. Okay. <laughs> this is fun. I like to sit over here. 
<laughs> that's good that she can kind of walk on her own a little bit. I know. It's a, it's a good blessing that I don't always have to pick her up. Yeah. Um, so yeah, today we're going to be covering the high priest, so we'll start in chapter 28, and we'll kind of do that thing where we skip around, we read a few verses, then kind of just go over everything, um, but we're going to end in Hebrews, um, because Hebrews is all about how Jesus is our high priest, um, so I'm really excited about today, I think it's going to be really good, and hopefully very encouraging, because I know that most of us have walked through very hard weeks this week, and so I hope and I pray that this passage is a good reminder that Jesus is near to you, that he is your great high priest, that he's the one that you can go to and um, always know that he cares and that he's there for you and that he loves you so much that he's willing to die for you. So, um, so yeah, this, this passage, this chapter, chapter 28, um, explains exactly um, what the high priest had to do and what they had to wear. So first they had to be consecrated. What does consecrated mean? We've said, we've kind of like gone over that before. Like the Israelites had to be consecrated. So like, what does that mean? Yes, set apart for God. So sometimes that means, like, you take a bath and you put on your best clothes. Or sometimes that means circumcision. Sometimes that means um, wearing certain clothes or doing certain things that God wants you to do. Um, But basically, it's getting your mind, your body, your heart ready for whatever God has for you. So the priests, the high priests, had to be consecrated. Um, and And then they were clothed with garments. So there's a few garments, and each one has, like, a specific reason and purpose. And they were all, like, the best like, this was, like, the nicest clothes you could have, right? So, like, we talked about last week. I can't remember who made this point, but it kind of, it really stuck with me of um, everything in the temple, everything in the, where, in the Holy of Holies, and the tabernacle, it was, like, the best stuff, right? It was, like, the gold, the most expensive wood, the best, most beautiful tapestries and curtains, and everything that the priests wore was also of the highest quality. Um, so, the first thing that they wore, or not the first, but the thing that, that as first mentioned in the in the Bible is the breast piece. Um, so there are four row, rows of three stones, each with the name of the twelve tribes on them, um, and this showed that the priest was bearing all twelve tribes. So he was he was re- he was representing all twelve. Did I say three? I meant twelve. If I said three, but he's representing all twelve tribes. Um, so each each tribe was represented in a stone. And then there was an ephod, so it was like an apron. Um, it had two shoulder straps with an onyx stone. And then on the stones were also the names of the 12 tribes. So again, a representation that the priest was carrying literally on his shoulders, the 12 tribes. And he was representing them before God, which is a big, big role to fill. I'm, I would not want to be a high priest. I'd be like, no, dang, so pick someone else. Um, <laughs> my shoulder's not strong enough for the 12 tribes. Um, so yeah, it was just a simple, a picture. And then he was wearing a robe, a woven tunic, a turban and a sash. And then there's no mention of shoes in the Bible. So there's something about like, you know, when like Moses goes in to the, the, the bush and God's like, take off your shoes. This is holy ground. There's something about God's presence in shoes where like God wants shoes to be removed. So I think that's what Brett uses as an excuse to not wear shoes on Sunday. But, um, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, so, yeah, they did not wear shoes. At least it's not mentioned in the Bible. Maybe they wore their sandals or something. But my guess is they didn't wear shoes because that probably was seen as cleaner. They would, their feet would be washed and they could walk in. Um, and there, they had specific directions for sacrifices and atonement. So the high priest would make daily and then sometimes like quarterly or yearly sacrifices on behalf of the people. Um, so they had to sacrifice a specific amount of animals. So example, 
in chapter 28, it says, like, sacrifice one bull and two rams. Um, And they were, specific things had to be done with specific parts of the body, which always kind of, like, freaks me out a little bit when I read it. Um, But we know that there's, like, a reason behind everything, right? Like, God wanted a certain thing to be done. They had to follow it. It was the routine. It was to show reverence to God. Um, And then the blood, this, this was a weird part to me. The blood was spread on the priest's right ear, right thumbs, right toes, um, every, every like right part of their body, they had the blood of the lamb spread on them. Why do you guys think God required them to spread blood on every, like, on their ear, earlobe, on their thumb? Like, why was that a thing? Yeah, that's what came to my mind, too, when I read it. Yeah, any other thoughts? Mm. At the time, like he was the one that was doing all the sacrificing for everybody. Yeah. So like the blood is part of that. Mm. I don't know why he's wearing it. Yeah. <laughs> Who like, knows? It makes sense that it's part of the whole thing. Yeah. Something specific to do with the blood. Yeah. Because like we're washed. Yeah. So like by them putting the blood on, they were like washed. Maybe. Yeah. That might be a stretch. I don't yeah. I mean, last week they like threw the blood on the people. Yeah. So, like, you know, were you here for that, Miss? Yeah. Yeah, because when I read it, I was like, I remember reading it, like, la, 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 la. What? <laughs> this is, you know, Old Testament things, I guess. Um, but basically, the blood was spread on the right ear, the right thumbs, the right toes to show honor. Because, like, the right side was, like, more honorable than the left side, I guess. That's why Christ is sitting on the right hand of God. And then also, like, what um, Andrea said, them covering themselves in blood showed that they were clean in a way like they had made the sacrifice now that blood of the sacrifice showed that they were clean enough to enter the presence of God um so interesting and so cool to think about and I'm very thankful that Jesus died for us so we don't have to do that anymore um so yeah only then after all this stuff and there's a lot more that goes into it that I again encourage you guys to go through on your own Um, All this stuff had to happen in order for them to enter the Holy of Holies. So showing there had to always be a sacrifice in order to enter God's presence. In order to make things right, there had to be a sacrifice. Um, And if the sacrifice was correct, verse 18 and verse 25 said it was a pleasing aroma to the Lord. Um, So basically anytime it says pleasing aroma to the Lord, um, it's referring to smell. But it's basically saying like doing all this makes God happy and pleased. Um, it makes him like when you smell a good meal, you're like, mm, you know, like it's just like it's a different feeling. Right. And so it's just showing that like God was abundantly pleased with the people when they followed his laws and did what was what he wanted them to do. Um, so, yeah. And one thing that I really want us to lean into is that these sacrifices were done every day. Um, one sacrifice was done every day. There was a lamb sacrificed in the in the morning. So as the sun rose, a lamb was sacrificed. And then at twilight, after the sun had go, gone down, another lamb was sacrificed. Um, and it was also combined with grain, oil, and wine offerings. So it was literally like two lambs. Oh, a picture. Oh, no. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, so, yeah, they were combined with grain, oil, and wine. So, basically, they were symbols of devotion to God. And it started in the morning, and it ended at night, showing that all day long, the people's devotion was set to the Lord. 
Um, so my question for you guys is how do you start and how do you end your days? Um, is it with devotion? Is it with acknowledging the Lord? Is it with knowing that? <laughs> now I know how Travis feels when I'm like, do, 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 do. <laughs> um, um, but yeah, how, how do you start and how do you end your day? Because there's something about the beginning of the day and there's something about the end of the day that does something to our hearts um, that helps get us in the right mindset. And this is something I need to grow in, especially when it comes to the end of the day. Because at the end of the day, I think it's so easy just to zone out, get on our phones, watch a show, tune out. Because we've had a long day, right? We've been engaged all day. We've been talking to people. We've been doing things that have been draining. And so it's harder to focus our mind on the Lord. Um, So, yeah, I just challenge you guys to just like the Israelites did to show their devotion to the Lord. Show your devotion to the Lord at the beginning of the day and the end of the day. And I promise it will change your mindset and your life. so yeah, um, sorry I'm going through this so fast without many questions for you guys, but at the end we will talk a lot more. Um, so yeah, the high priest at this time was a crucial part of Israel's relationship with the Lord. They were, um, he was the mediator, right? He's what stood between the people and God. He's the one that made sacrifice on behalf of the people. But like I said before, the high priest still wasn't perfect. When he would go into the Holy of Holies and make, make sacrifices, he was making sacrifices for himself as well. So he was not only making sacrifices for other people's sins, but he was like, okay, Lord, I have sinned as well. This is my sacrifice for my sin. Um, so the high priest was the godliest man, or at least from the outside, he looked like the godliest man, but he still was a sinner because he was a human being. Um, so this picture here is still broken. This picture points to Jesus, but it's still fractured. It's still foggy. It still could be better. Um, but, and it was just a shadow of what's to come. Um, and Jesus is who's to come. And he is now what we call our great high priest. Um, he's the reason we no longer need a human priest. It's like when you walk into a church, there's at least our church, there's no priest there ready to hear your sins of the week. Um, there's no, there's no one you need to go to in order to get right with God. It's just between you and the Lord because Jesus is the mediator. He's the one that stands in the middle. Um, so the book of Hebrews, um, who's read the book of Hebrews before? It's okay if you have it. It's kind of a toughie. Um, I encourage you to read it because it's, it's amazing. It's tough. It's a hard book because it's like, it's like an Old Testament book, but like in the New Testament, like it was definitely written in the New Testament, but it has like all Old Testament references and it's like. But it's also an amazing, beautiful book. But um, so the Hebrews emphasizes the superiority of Christ's priesthood. Um, so there are four ways that Christ is more superior than the human high priest. Um, so number one, Christ was superior in holiness. So he was perfect in every way. Everything he did, said, and thought was totally perfect, which blows my mind to think about the fact that Jesus never even sinned when he thought. Because I think about all the thoughts that run through my my mind all day that are sinful or maybe like not good. And the fact that Jesus never even thought a thought that is wrong is just absolutely crazy to me. Um, So yeah, Jesus was the perfect high priest. He didn't have to make any sacrifices for his own sin. He made sacrifices for our sin when he didn't even have to make sacrifices for his own sin, making him the superior holy high priest. Um, He was also superior in anointing. So he was sent by God, right? He was anointed by God. And most importantly, he is... He is God, and he's God's son, right? So none of the high priests of the, of the Old Testament, none of them were 
God's son, right? They were, they were mere human beings born of other human beings. But Jesus Christ was God, and he was the son of God, um, and he was sent by God for a purpose. Um, so he was superior in his anointing. Um, so he was set apart. He was consecrated for this job in a way that no one else was. Um, and then third, he was superior in representation. Um, so Jesus represents us, right? So like when God looks at Maddie, he doesn't see Maddie. He sees Jesus Christ because the, Maddie Markland is dead. She was gone the moment Maddie gave her life to the Lord. And now Jesus stands in the place of Maddie. And whenever God looks at us, if you know Jesus is your savior, he doesn't see your sin. He doesn't see your old self. He sees Jesus Christ. And so like, Praise God, right, that, like, our old self is gone. Um, so I, because I, I, I think sometimes that's a hard pill to swallow of, like, oh, but I want God to, like, God should know, like, do, do I not, am I not an individual anymore? Like, does God not care about me? Absolutely he does. And you're still yourself, right? But your identity is in Christ because um, Christ represents you and you, we're united with him um, and we're one with him. Um, and Jesus is also the perfect high priest because he didn't have to offer animals or oils or the first fruits of crops um, to sacrifice. What did he offer instead? Just himself. Yeah. So, like, the perfect high priest sacrificed himself, which is crazy. Um, he didn't offer an animal. He didn't offer oils. He literally said, I have not sinned once. I've never even thought about sinning. I've never even thought something that's evil or wrong, yet I'm going to die in the place of every single sinner that will come to me um, because I am good and I'm loving. Um, so yeah, so, so crazy. Um, and then he's also superior in, in intercession. Um, so Christ, Christ's priesthood is forever. Hebrews seven twenty three through 25. Um, we can flip to Hebrews real fast because we're going to be in Hebrews for a while. Um, Hebrews, James, first and second Peter, right? I was wrong. Yeah, sorry. Sometimes I just make up my own words. <laughs> yeah. Um, Hebrews 7, 23 to 25. Who would like to read that for us? Hebrews 7, 23 through 25. I'll do it. Thank you, Elise. Uh, right now? Yep. Now there have been many of those priests since death prevented them from continuing, continuing in office. But because Jesus lives forever, he has a permanent priesthood. Therefore, he is able to save completely those who come to God through him because he has he always lives to intercede for them. Hmm. So other priests would pass away or they would leave and retire or they would, you know, die. But Christ never dies, right? And so he's always alive, so therefore his intercession for us never stops. He's constantly interceding for us, constantly standing in the middle. There's not a day that he like goes on vacation. Like he's always there, always the same. Um, Christ's priesthood is forever, not temporary, making him superior above all other priests. Um, yeah, any questions or comments up to this point? I know I've been talking most of the time. Cool. Um, so yeah, we don't have high priests anymore, like I said. Um, it said Jesus is our high priest. Um, 
And like I said at the beginning of this, like we're all walking through our own trials and difficulties and things that are really hard. But one thing that I want us to remind ourselves of is that we have a great high priest who works on our behalf and died for us. And not only did he just die for us, but he's interceding for us. And not only that, but the Bible says that he is like perfect in sympathy as well. Like he's the greatest high priest because he has sympathy. He's not just like there and has no emotion towards you. He sympathizes with us in our weaknesses, in our struggles. He's the perfect high priest because he's always perfectly sympathetic, always perfectly compassionate, always perfectly kind. Um, So therefore, like whatever we walk through in this life, whether you're walking through something hard right now, whether you're going to walk through something hard in the future, you can know that whatever you walk through, the Lord is near to you. And Jesus, rather than being hard of heart towards you, is sympathetic towards you. Um, So what does it mean to you guys when someone is sympathetic towards you? Like, what does it feel like when you experience sympathy from another person? Yeah. Yeah. Gently. It's like you feel like they actually hear you and like understand what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. And how does that like make you feel? Let me turn. Um, like it makes you feel understood. Like a lot of times I feel like you tell someone something they're like, yeah. <laughs> like, mm. But like when someone has like sympathy for you, it's like, no, that's like this person gets it. Yeah, for sure. It's like a... Mm. Yeah. so good yeah and I I think that for me I often forget that Jesus is sympathetic towards me I get into the mindset which is the very legalistic right of like do 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 go 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 check 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 that I forget like oh he's a sympathetic compassionate loving gracious God it's not all about just check mark check mark check mark go 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 it's sit and be with the Lord and feel his love and care for you as well um Like, when I think of that, I think, well, I don't know if it's right or wrong, yeah. that's why. 
But empathy is like, I feel what you're going through. Sympathy is just like, I understand what you're going through. I think like it's a difference between knowing something. It's, it's a difference between brain and heart. Yeah. Right. I could be very wrong. That's yeah. This is just I don't know. I don't know. Because this is what's confusing me. Sympathy involves understanding from your own perspective. So, like, I guess you wouldn't, you don't necessarily have to go through it. Yeah. Understanding from your own perspective. From your own you perspective. Have, you have also had that perspective. Empathy mm. involves putting yourself in the other person's shoes and understanding why they have these particular feelings. They seem similar. They're so yeah. similar, but, like, I can see how, I don't know. I think Jesus probably has sympathy in him. <laughs> so true yeah I remember when I was younger especially when, this is TMI but like when I first got my period I remember like talking to my mom and be like Jesus doesn't understand because he is not he's not a girl and he never had to go through this and, <laughs> but like yeah, I mean he went through what much worse than period cramps on the cross but I just remember being like that's impossible that he's sympathetic because he's never been through this and my mom's like okay you Picture yourself more than words. I found a diagram. Picture yourself more than words. Look at my diagram. Oh, oh, that's nice. That's <laughs> I want to see the diagram. Show the diagrams. Sympathy. Mm-hmm. It makes I'm sense. Let me see the picture. Sympathy. <laughs> sympathy. Oh, they're both I sad. Yeah, but I what? I think I always yeah. had a picture. I don't know. Because I had like a clear discussion. It, this, it makes sense. Okay, so it can be like you feel their sadness and sympathy. Sympathy is like they're there, and empathy is like you're crying with them. Like, yeah. Huh. Like, so, I, think, I can sense Jesus is giving Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. Right. I will learn about it. Okay. Okay. It's perfect. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 Yeah, so I just, we're going to go back to that in a second, but I just wanted, I kind of skipped ahead of my notes just because I wanted to, but just like think on that because that is something, you what? I said and then we derailed you, sorry. No, 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 I love it. That was good. I, I, I want to, um, it's like one of those things where like, I feel like as Christ followers, we should always be figuring out how to be more sympathetic, empathetic, because that's who Jesus is as well. But, yeah, no, love loved that discussion. Um, but, yeah, so we'll come back to that at the very end. So there will be more conversations about that. Um, but in Chapter 30, it dives into, well, Chapter 30 and 31. 30, oh, back in Exodus, sorry. I'm a little like, scattered today. Um, chapter 30. Yeah, chapter of 30, chapter of 30, oh my gosh, I cannot talk. Um, <laughs> chapter of 30 talks about the altar of incense. Um, so this is another one of those things where they burned it day and night. So it's another, a, another trend where they are constantly, trend, another pattern that they had in their lives where they are constantly remembering, constantly acknowledging the Lord in their life, and they were devoted to him day and night. Um, so in verse 1, God tells them, you shall make an altar to which to burn incense. You shall make it of acacia wood. Is it acacia? Acacia. Oh, that's pretty. You think you can name, like, a, a girl that? Like a baby girl? Acacia. 
she might be made fun of, so. Uh, and then skipping down to verse 7. And Aaron shall burn fragrant incense on it every morning when he dresses the lamps he shall burn. And when Aaron sets up the lamps at twilight, he shall burn it, a regular incense offering before the Lord throughout your generations. Um, so again, it's like this pattern in their culture, in their life, where they were constantly doing things to remember the Lord, to honor the Lord, to worship the Lord. And I'm convinced that the Lord has them do it day and night because the Israelites are the most forgetful people in the world, right? They forget constantly. So God's like, okay, you're going to do this day and night because I know you and you're going to forget about me. And so in order to get you to not forget about me, because I love you enough to not allow you to do that, this is what I have for you. And the same goes for us, right? Like, I don't know about you, but I always forget about the gospel. I always forget about the love of God for me and how that should impact everything that I do and everything I say and even the way I think. And I think that having those constant reminders in our life is so helpful because otherwise so quickly we can slip, right? We can so easily go into a season where we're just so far from the Lord unless we constantly remember and just cling to the Lord and trust in him. Um, So yeah, I'd encourage you to wake up, devote yourself to God, remind yourself of the gospel, literally look at yourself in the mirror and tell yourself the gospel, even on days that you don't feel like it. Like on days you don't feel like it, still read your Bible, still pray, do the things that you know are good for you because it's like it's kind of like eating right like I don't know if you've ever gone through a really stressful time in your life where you've lost your appetite but like you still know in those times that you need to eat because otherwise you're going to die right so the seasons of your life that you don't want to read your bible it's like food right you're like okay I don't really want to read my bible right now but if I don't read this like this this is my life and I need to eat this even if I don't want even if I don't have an appetite for it if that makes sense Um, And this is like the word of God, right? It's living and active and it can do something wonderful to our hearts if we allow it to. Even on days where we feel nothing, it's still doing something even though we don't see it. And so we get to trust God with that and know that he's working even when we feel like we're being unfaithful, if that makes sense. Um, So yeah. Um, And then we see a few other things in this chapter like the census tax, the bronze basin, and the oil and the incense. All of this had different purposes, but it's just a picture that God is holy, that he's above us, that he's worthy of honor, and that he's with us. And so these were all just reminders and things to honor God. Um, So yeah, you guys can dive into that more. And then chapter 31, um, the first part is about like um, putting certain people in charge of things, but we're going to skip over that. And then starting in verse 12 is all about the Sabbath. And we love talking about the Sabbath, right? Why do we get so excited when we talk about the Sabbath? Because God commands us to rest. Yes. Yes. Yeah, we love talking about the Sabbath because I think that we all feel feel that like weariness of striving, right? Or we all feel tired sometimes. We all get tired of working. We've all been in that place where like you're close to burnout or maybe you are in burnout area or maybe you're just tired because we all get tired. We're human beings. Um, And unless our work is utterly and completely dependent on God, we will always feel tired. Um, so Exodus 31, 12 through 17, who can read that for us real fast? I can. Thank you, Missy. And the Lord said to Moses, you are to speak to the people of Israel and say, above all, you shall keep my Sabbath, for this is a sign between me and you throughout your generations that you may know that I, the Lord, sanctify you. Mm-hmm. You shall keep the Sabbath because it is holy for you. Everyone who profanes it shall be put to death. Whoever does any work on it, that soul shall be cut off from among his people. Six days shall work be done, for the seventh day is the Sabbath of solemn rest, holy to the Lord. Whoever does any work on the Sabbath day shall be put to death. Therefore, the people of Israel shall keep the Sabbath, observing the Sabbath throughout their generations, 
as a covenant forever. It is a sign forever between me and the people of Israel that in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, and on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed. Awesome. Thank you. Um, so, yeah, we've all heard this before. God reminds them all the time that he wants them to take a Sabbath. Um, and he also wants us to have a pattern of rest in our life. God is very about patterns, right? He wants them to have patterns of worship, patterns of um, remembrance, patterns of rest. And he wants the same for us. Like we worship at, at church once a week, sometimes twice a week. We should have a pattern of recognizing and remembering God in our daily life. And then God also wants us to have a pattern of rest. And then you can even argue that God wants us to have a pattern of fasting as well, because that's talked about in the New Testament a lot of like fasting from food, fasting from certain things in our life to honor and to remember him. Um, so we've gone over this a million times. Um, and so it's just God gave them this rule, right? Because everyone else around them worked seven days a week. Um, so that's like a reminder to us, because I think that if we really wanted to, we could work seven days a week. We could grind it out. We could work hard every single day for the rest of our lives until the day that we die. Um, and we could probably do it, right? We'd be tired and we might have a few like crying sessions, but we could do it, right? Because everyone else in this world did it. But God set apart the Israelites and said, for one day a week, I just want you to do nothing. Stop your work, stop your labor, and just trust me and know that I'm God and just rest. Um, because without God at the center of all that we do, everything that we do, even if we work at it with all our might, it's not, it's not going to be anything. Um, so Psalm 127, you guys can flip there with me real fast. This is a Psalm that's like really encouraging to me. Um, and I hope it's encouraging to you as well. Um, because I think it's so easy to think that to work so hard, like fingers to your bone hard, but it not go anywhere. Um, so I, verses one through two are some of my favorite verses in the Bible. So I'll read that for us. Um, unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain, unless the wor- the world, unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is vain that you rise up early and it's vain that you go to rest eating the bread of anxious toil for he gives to his beloved sleep. Oh, I love those verses so much. Um, basically telling us that it's vain if you rise up early and you work all day and then you stay up all night to get work done. Unless I'm at the center of it, everything that you do is totally worthless. Like, unless I'm in it, unless the Lord builds the house, the labors work in vain. And how scary is that to think that we could literally work our hardest, like every single day, go so hard every single day and not go anywhere unless we keep the Lord at the center of it. Um... So, yeah, when you guys think of a Sabbath in your life, like, what does that look like for you? How have you, how have you fit a pattern of Sabbath rest into your life?
joyful, I get to serve my family today attitude. I don't mm. do it. Yeah. I'm like, okay, this is not what we need to be doing today. What else can we be doing instead? Mm. And so some days, everything is normal, right? I do the dot, dishes, laundry, right? It's all those things, but it's with a different heart. It's with a different right. attitude. And some days, we don't do any of that. And we do all playing and all fun and all resting. Right. Like the traditional sense of resting. But the mm. whole, for me, a Sabbath is a heart attitude, and it's, it's just different. It's mm. good. All day you feel different, because we're supposed to keep the Sabbath holy, which means set apart, which means different. So if your right. Sunday or whatever day is your Sabbath day, feels like all the other days are doing it wrong. Right. You know? mm. Yeah. Even if it's the same actions, yeah. if it feels different, Sabbath. Yeah. It is all about our hearts, too. I like that you said that. Because, yeah, God wants our hearts to be in it. And the dishes don't matter to God, really. If, oh, goodness. Yeah, like, I mean, sure, he's like, sure. Like, the Proverbs 31 woman, it doesn't say, like, and she kept all her dishes clean all the time. No, like, her heart loved the Lord, and that drove her to care for her family. And sometimes caring for your family looks like, I'm not going to do the dishes. I'm just going to be yeah. here, present. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I think, like, I'm still figuring out, like, what I want what my Sabbath should look like, but I think at school, a lot of times what it looks like is just being slower. Yeah, yes. In the rest. Like, like my whole, like, because at, at school, your whole week is like, okay, you wake up, and you do this, you do this, and you go to this class, and you see these people, and you're running around all day, and like, and you have seven meetings, and then you have dinner, and then you go to bed, and then you have to like, go to the pillow, and you're just like, you sleep, but you wake up again, and you sleep. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. It's just slower, and it's just like, and like I think it comes to the point where it's like, I know, well like I think sometimes <laughs> we can fall into the trap where like a Sabbath feels like lazy. You're like, yeah, I can do something, but like, but like it's not. Right. It's like we're called to do it. Yeah. No. It is lazy if you're like, yeah. right, and you're like. And busyness is definitely like an American thing too, where it's like, if you're busy, you're good. You're a good person if you're busy. Well, that's not always true in the kingdom of God. God doesn't say, make sure you have a a bunch of things on your schedule because then I'll love you more. Like, that's just legalism, right? It's just awful. Yeah, and it's just... For me, I was working all the time. Right. I would get to Sunday and I'd be so exhausted. And it's like I wanted to hang out with people, but I was just like, I'm so tired. Yeah. And I would work every single day to try to make a paycheck. And now I I take Thursdays all off. Like it's like mm. I feel like the Sabbath can be any day of the week or yeah. Sunday. And it's like it's really just so calming to know yeah. that I have one day that I will not I have told my places, my job, I'm like, you cannot work me. Like I will not even come in if somebody needs somebody. I'm like, mm. this is my one day. This is where I need a break. Because when I become a teacher, it's like, I don't even know what I'm going right. to get. What I'm going to get just a day not to do anything. There's just so many needs that need to be met. So I'm going to take, I'm taking the time to like, so 
focus on that. Right. Before I'm like an actual teacher, all in it, ready to go. But it's been, I think it's only been like three, two, three weeks, and I'm like, what? What, right. what do I do? <laughs> like, right. I'm like, I'm like ready to go. Like at 7 a.m. I'm like, I, I don't have to be ready at 7 a.m. I can mm-hmm. lay in my bed until 10 o'clock and then actually get up and do something. So okay. I think that's what's been nice is finding my journey and let this happen. So. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's nice because if you're like building those habits now and like habits of like letting yourself have rest and stuff like that, it'll come so much more naturally to you when you are busy. Yeah. Like you'll want that time and you'll just be like used to getting that time. So you'll be like more reminded to take it. Yeah. I think it's also a good thing to know that Sabbath will look different throughout all of your life. Mm-hmm. So like if Sabbath right now is like to use Macy's example is curling your hair and walking to church, after church walk, a lovely brunch, and walking and hanging out on hammocks in the park with a friend, right? Mm-hmm. If it's yoga, coffee and whatever. If it's all of that, in three years, it might not look like that at all. <laughs> like, right. My Sabbath right now does not look like what it looked like in college. It's probably not going to look the same in 10 years when I have a 12-year-old and a 10-year-old. Oh, my gosh. That's so bad. That's weird. That's so weird. Like, it's not going to – it might look the same, but it also might not. So, I think – Yeah. I mean, I think everybody has mentioned it, but you find the pattern and you kind of figure out where it is in life. But it doesn't always have to look the same. Yeah. And mine doesn't have to look like yours just Mm. because we're both married. Yeah. Yeah. Because I, because I think of like some people, it's really restful for them to read a book or go for a walk or journal. But like for the person that likes to go for a walk, they might not like to journal. It's just all different. Mm -hmm. And God is a God that wants to connect with us in different ways too, because He's individual too. I think He loves connecting with us how we like to connect with Him, as long as it's glorifying to Him, because He's He loves us as individuals as well. Um, but yeah, something that I'm guilty of is like Fridays are like my Sabbath and I try so, I, I always go into it with like the mindset of like, okay, I'm going to start my day like with like studying the word and just like praying and being slow. And then I slip into like the laziness thing where I'm like, oh, such a long week. I'm just going to not do anything and just be lazy. And then I get to the end of the day and I'm not filled at all. I'm actually more empty than I started. And so I think it's so important and I'm like preaching to myself here because I need to remember this that like Sabbath days aren't about us, right? They're about the Lord. And so I think whenever we put the focus on ourselves and like, not like it's wrong to like, you know, like do your hair, like put on a face mask or like paint your toenails. That is not wrong at all. But like the, our Sabbath day is not about us. It's about glorifying the Lord, reminding our forgetful hearts that we desperately need him. Otherwise we're gonna get to the end of a Sabbath day that we tricked ourselves into thinking it was a Sabbath day. And then we're just going to be like, well, I'm tired again. Like, what is this? And But we didn't go to the well, the living water, and actually drink from the things that are going to fill us. And I'm literally preaching to myself because the past three Fridays, I have done my devotions at 4 p.m. when I wanted to do them at 7 a.m. Because I was being lazy. <laughs> and so I'm preaching to myself here that I'm like, oh, no, must be a good wife and have my Bible open. Hi, honey. <laughs> I've been praying. I've been praying for you all day. <laughs> no, no, not me at all. But, um, <laughs> uh, but yeah. So just a uh, encouragement there. Um, so if you don't have a Sabbath day, do it. 
I admire Elise so much. We talk about this a lot, that she made the sacrifice of saying no weddings on Sundays. That's quite a sacrifice to follow a Sabbath, and I admire that a lot. Um, and the Lord has provided. Amen. Lord. Amen. Um, okay, last thing. Hebrews 4. Turn there. Hebrews 4. All right, it's Hebrews 4. So this is kind of a weird, not a weird passage. It's a wonderful passage, but it's split up weird because the passage flows into another chapter. So we're going to start in Hebrews 4, 14 and go to 5, 2. Um, so this is all about how Jesus sympathizes with us in our weaknesses. And I think it's a good idea, especially considering um, just like the week that we've had and what is ahead and the fact that we all need to be reminded sometimes of who Jesus is and how much he loves us for us to take a little many 10 minute Sabbath. Um, and we're going to go off, be by ourselves, read this passage, pray, meditate, journal. You can walk outside if you want. You can literally do whatever you want, whatever feels restful to you. Um, is 10 minutes enough? Would you guys rather have like 15? What's good? 10 minutes, 15, 20, 10 good. Okay, 10. And then we're going to come back and we're just going to talk about what the Lord, like maybe what the Lord put on your heart, what maybe you're thinking, what you're going through. If you're like, hey, I'm not even like close to the Lord right now, please pray for me. We're going to talk about that. And so right now I just want us all to take a little mini 10-minute Sabbath, read this passage, be with your Savior, um, and then we'll come back and talk about it. So um, at 8.10, ready, go.